Glad you're here. Glad we get to hang out together this morning. Glad we get to celebrate and worship together. God has been good. He has shed His grace on us. We get to come together and just to, to sing His praise, to sing His glory, to sing His honor. And, and I am thrilled that we have that opportunity uh, and, and get to come. Scott's about to head out, y'all. Scott's going to go lead worship up at Rogers Bay now. So, uh, so y'all pray for him as he goes. He's going to go do the music and the preaching up there and more than likely since it's the 4th of July he'll have a big crowd up there so that's kind of cool that that uh you know God has given us those kind of opportunities you know to to just scatter out we 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 we're talking about this this week as I've been preaching through 1st Peter and 2nd Peter uh and I'm not preaching out of 1st and 2nd Peter this morning I just went off on a tangent today this week but uh First Peter, where he calls us the gathered and the scattered. Of course, he refers to it as, as the elect and those who are uh, uh, scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And I've just been always calling it the gathered and the scattered because that just sort of suits me. Um, and so here we are gathered this morning and to those who are scattered online, I pulled it up on Facebook a minute ago. My sister's here, so welcome, Melanie. Uh, she's all the way up in Belton, South Carolina. This is what I found out. We're about half and half now. You know, everybody's kind of coming back around and that sort of thing. And so about half of the folks show up and about half of them are going, I'm watching you online. I'm like, cool, all right, whatever, you know. Here's the point. We got to worship. We got to exalt Jesus all the time. That is the point of gathering, okay? Join me as we pray. Father, thank you for the morning and the opportunity, privilege, God, that you've given us to just simply be in your presence. God, you call us together as the body of Christ that we might come and express our love for you, that it would be a heart thing, God, that we come together and not just sing songs because we learned them when I was a kid or sing songs because Scott thought they'd be great for the morning. But God, we want to sing to you. God, we want to sing about you. God, we want to sing for you. God, we want others to hear our proclamations of praise. Not because it's the thing to do at 8.10 or 11 o'clock or, or because there's a name on the sign or, or any of those things, but because, God, we, we want to love you. We want to love each other. God, we want to be the people that you have set us apart to be you've created us to be. God, help us to live that out every single day of our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. We're going to let Scott get out the door because he's got to start up there soon. Anyway, so I, I, I looked at Second Peter again this week and I thought, all right, I can just preach that next few verses of Second Peter and God just like, no, it's July 4th. You know, no. Uh, yeah, it'd be great just to preach on Second Peter and just keep moving along in the process of the book, the epistle that, that Peter wrote to the gathered and scattered throughout the Roman Empire and, and giving instruction and giving guidance. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you the next little passage that we got to deal with in Second Peter is not an easy passage. And so, uh, so God let me avoid it today. Yay! But today I want to share with you what I've titled Free to Do. And I want you all to know something. I can do anything I want to do. Y'all know that? I can absolutely do anything I want to do. And, and, and chances are, you can't stop me. Because I'm pretty 
sneaky, my mother would say. You know, I can figure out a way to do what I want to do. Now, that has manifested itself in my life over the decades. Uh, You know, there are things that I have wanted to do, and I've done them. Uh, I took a group, now I'm going to tell you a story in a minute, and then I'm going to have to abbreviate a little bit, but I took a group to uh, Panama City Beach, Florida on retreat, right? I'm going to take a group of young people off to Panama City Beach, Florida. I'm going to teach them, you know, some of the principles of following Jesus, living for God, and all those kind of things, right? And so one of our little fun times was we took them to this place where they had go-karts, and, and, and video gaming machines, of course, all this is obsolete these days, but anyway, uh, and they had, um, uh, all kind of little, it was like a little mini sort of amusement park kind of thing. And Bobby got out of the church van and looked across the street and there was a bungee jumping tower. Yes, you already guessed it. See? I sent the chaperones and the youth into the amusement park and, and me and one other, Fella, we went across the street, and I jumped off that tower with a rubber band attached to my ankle. There you go. You know why? Because I can do what I want to do, whether it's smart or not. I just have to be willing to suffer the consequences, right? I can do what I want to do, but guess what? So we're in Hebrews this, this morning, Hebrews chapter 13, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews does not identify himself, and so that's left it open to debate um, through the centuries. And yet we do know some things about the Hebrew writer. He's familiar with the law. He's familiar with Jewish uh, spiritual and religious practices. Uh, He's very detailed in his understanding of what is expected of a good Jewish individual, okay? And and, and so he breaks down a lot of things throughout Hebrews that actually give us some insight because, I mean, I don't know if there's any, any, any folks who claim Jewish heritage or even a past Jewish kind of uh, faith in this room. I know that I've had the privilege here at the gathering to, to baptize a few Jews, and so that's kind of cool, and it almost sounds like I'm being sort of racist just calling it that, but that, that's what it is. I mean, you see, I have the opportunity when a, a person comes and says, yes, I Believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. I have received salvation in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Believe that he is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. I want to follow Jesus. Good, let's jump in the ocean together. See, that's that's a privilege to be able to do that with anybody. All right? In this passage that I want to share with you, there is an explanation essentially in, in Hebrews chapter 13 that the writer... I happen to fall into the camp because I believe Paul wrote it just for the sake of argument, if you want to argue it, but don't. But I just happen to believe Paul wrote it. Uh, Some scholars believe, by and large, that probably Apollos wrote it. Uh, We don't know. 
I mean, he doesn't identify himself, and neither does the uh, extra biblical histories or texts. So I'm just giving you that just to know. But here you go. Um, he does talk about religious, spiritual practices of the Jews when it comes down to the fact that in verses um, leading up to verse 14, where I'm going to start in a minute, he says, Therefore Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. So what he's saying is, he says, all of this scriptural law Jewish practice kind of culminates in Jesus and what Jesus did. That's the promise of the covenant from Genesis 12. All right? So it all comes down to Jesus. Verse 13 says, let us then go to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace. So when we identify with Christ, we identify with the fact that he was crucified like a criminal. He was killed as a sacrifice by God's own plan and design so that our sins might be forgiven. So we meet Christ in that place for that life and forgiveness that he's offered us. And then verse 14 says this, for we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. I can do anything I want to do, y'all. You know what? I, I ran into Ed last night before he went to play with the... What'd you call that group? I know, but what was the group name? Something. You were one... Alley Cat and the Strays and Ed's a Stray. Right? So I ran into him on the street out there before he was getting ready to play last night. and You know, I could live my life. Now Ed's not going to like it that I point him out even though he sits on the front row. But I could live my life just to please Ed. Ed, can I get you coffee for you? No, you like hearties and drinks. You know, if you could get more people on that boat, right? See, we can live our lives for all kind of purposes. We can do anything we want to do. But folks, there are consequences for that. Think back to, to, to what Joshua said to his people. He said, you know, choose this, this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Paul said, everything is permissible, but not everything is profitable or good for you, right? So I want you to notice that um, you have been given that authority in your own life to live your own choices, right? I mean, think about it. I can jump off a bungee tower if I want to. What am I doing? I'm putting my trust in the guy that put the harness on me. I'm putting my trust in the guy that buckled me in. I'm putting my trust in the guy that that built the rubber band, right? I'm putting my trust in a whole lot of things in order to jump off that bungee tower, right? Um, had a family years ago. They had a, was a young man in high school. 
He had it all figured out. Y'all know those kids, right? Kids in high school, they got it all figured out. I used to have a sign up in the youth department when I was a youth pastor. said, you know, go ahead and move out. Buy your own place. Pay bills while you still know it all. Right? Anyway, so this young man and I went and had some lunch together. He had begun to engage in some activities that were going to reap a reward. And I, I said to him, I said, look, you continue down this path. I said, I will do one of two things probably in the short term, within the next five years. One of two things. I'm either going to be standing beside a hole in the ground with your parents or I'm going to visit you in a place of incarceration. Right? No, no, no. You know why he said no, no, no? Because he's too smart for that. Any of that. And yet about three years later, I visited him in a place of incarceration. Went in the gate with his mom and his daddy, and he came out wearing the same clothes that hmm, everybody else in the room's wearing. I asked his mom and dad, could I have a minute? So his mom and daddy stepped over to the side, and I sat down with him. I said, do you you remember our conversation at the diner? And he just went, all right? You can do anything you want to. Just recognize the fact that there are consequences. There are authorities. Tell you what the miracle in this story is, because that sounds like a terrible ending, right? Sounds horrible. So he was in there. He went through the processing and all this. Finally, because he was a a young man, he'd graduated high school by that time and uh, was... uh, was a, a college student. Anyway, he um, his he got sentenced for a pretty serious crime. I mean, a crime that he's going to do time. It, there was no way he was going to get out of doing time. I mean, it was basically armed robbery. But anyway, his case came up before a three-judge appellate panel. And the body of Christ showed up that day in the courtroom. All of the the congregation that I had the privilege of pastoring, probably 60 people showed up in the courtroom that day. And one of these three judges said, I understand your pastors here. Man, y'all don't want me to get up on your behalf and explain the blacks and whites of what I know, okay? But anyway, they had me sit down, and they started asking me questions, started asking me questions, and I just started explaining it. They reviewed that boy's crime and case, and something happened that day that can only be the hand of God. They sent that boy home with his parents that day. Let him out. So guess what? I took him back to the diner. I said, what are you going to do now? This was his exact words. He said, I'm going to stay out of jail. I went, no, you're not. I said, because if that's your goal, you're going to try to walk that line to not cross over into doing the wrong thing. 
I said, but I want you to know something. If you'll live your life to please God and walk with Jesus, you will stay out of jail. Right? You can do anything you want to do. Okay? Look at what the writer of Hebrews says here. For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. What? Who? What do you live for? What is the purpose of your life? What is the goal that God has placed before you? Because I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt in this room. I'm going to go ahead and give you the benefit of the doubt. You love Jesus. You're following Jesus. What is the Jesus goal of your life? See, because we live in a world that is doing nothing but seeking to please itself. Seeking to entertain itself. Seeking to engage in the conversations that, that make, make it feel good about itself. Or seek to attain some level of, of achievement or, or success or wealth or authority or popularity and, and yuck. Sorry, that's not in the Bible. Because guess what we know in Christ? We are not living for an in, this enduring city. We are looking and seeking the one that is to come. I don't live for what's going on on this life. See, I conduct myself in such a way that I live for what God has set before me in this life and the life to come. I don't want to measure my life based on what the world says is successful. I don't want to measure my life based on what the world says is entertaining or what pleases me or brings a smile to my face. You see that? That's not why we're here. What do I live for? Who do I live? My voice is cracking this morning. Who do you live for? There was a couple. Long, long time ago stood in front of a tree and God's adversary said you can be your own God and they said okay see we live in a culture and a society where people are living out their own godhood not living for that which God has established both creatively and by will, purpose, and design, they're living for what pleases them. They're living for what entertains them. Think about it. I'm not the only one noticing this. I'm not the only one looking around going, ah, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I jokingly tell people all the time at 22 or 24, 24, I crossed a threshold. Before 24, if I'd have walked in this room and, and, you know, somebody had been swinging on a rope from the ceiling, I'd have went, wow, that looks like fun. I crossed the, the 24 age and I went, you could get hurt, right? Something happened, right? Uh, the idea is, is that when we look at the opportunities that by creative design God has given us, you can either choose to live that which pleases him or that which pleases you. This is temporary. 
This is not enduring. Right? You see, that's kind of what uh, Paul, the writer, this writer is saying. See, therefore through him let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. In, in 1 Peter, there's that statement, we are proclaimers of praise. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. We were given the opportunity in Christ to be proclaimers of praise. Is your life a testimony of praise? When people see you in the street, wherever you are, wow. And if you were on the island last night, you were in the street. I'll just tell you. Whew, man, people... Parking all over. I already went around the parking lot this morning, picked up all the beer bottles so y'all wouldn't run over. Okay? Because the parking lot was full last night. See? Wherever you are, does your life speak to the exaltation of God? You see, this is the closing book or the closing chapter of the book of Hebrews. Uh, when you read New Testament books, you see this sort of benedictory benediction, this closing out and, and, and sort of this commissioning, this encouragement to, to live out the life that God has given us. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, these things are important. This is temporary. That. And I'm pointing up like heaven's somewhere up there in the clouds. We don't know. But anyway, wherever God is, that's eternal. Are you living your life in such a way? Right? You live in your life in such a way that that is the goal. That is the end, the, the end game. That's where we're going. See, because this is temporary. Can I just tell you, man, I, there was a time in ministry where I was the young guy in the room. Guess what? I'm not anymore. I'm not. I used to go to Southern Baptist convention meetings, right? And I'd walk in and, and, and I'd be the one with the dark hair. I'm not down in gray hair. I got lots of it these days. But I'd walk in the room, and I'd be the young guy in the room. I'd go to association meetings, the local church group meetings kind of thing, and, and I'd walk in. I'd be the kid in the room because everybody there was suffering the effects of sin and age. Right? We all die. This is temporary. That's eternal. Am I living my life in such a way that that is what is exalted? Or am I living my life in such a way that I get exalted in this life? That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Are you living for today? This is a temporary existence, so to speak. So through him, through Christ, through the one who was shamed outside the city, you see, through him we offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. You know, uh, in, in Romans, Paul does write, he writes this, he says, you know, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. You know the, the challenge in that phrase? challenge in that phrase is this. <clears throat> if you walk around telling folks Jesus is Lord but live something else, they know you're lying. Did you know that? Oh, Jesus is Lord. But then you act like the devil. 
Folks are looking at you going, hypocrite. Right? And they go, that's why I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Folks, we're supposed to be exalting Christ with our lives. I'm free to do anything I want to do. You see that? And one of the things is, is that we have been granted, given this liberty, particularly in this country. Man, you know, nobody has ever said that I couldn't worship God the way I wanted to. Nobody ever did. <laughs> a few deacons every now and then, but it's okay. I'm not bitter at all. But our nation supposedly being challenged these days supposedly stands on a freedom to worship the the, the religious liberty to be who God called us to be. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's losing respect in our culture and in our society. We're giving up ground, folks. Don't. Go be who God called you to be. Go live God's praise. Go let the fruit of your lips be about Jesus, not about the stuff of this world. Because mm. this is temporary. Look at this last sentence in verse 16. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share. For God is pleased with what, with such sacrifices. A few weeks ago I preached on Galatians, uh, Ephesians 6, 9 where it says don't grow weary of doing good. Good. How do you define that? Right? Is good what pleases me? Is good what pleases my family? Is good what pleases my I don't know, my graduating class from Greenwood, South Carolina? I'd pick that out of the blue. You pick whatever group you want to. Is good simply about pleasing those I associate with and hang out with? And No. Good, by biblical definition, is, is God himself. I mean, Jesus even challenged the Pharisee that called him good. Why do you call me good? There's none good but the Father. Right? That's what Jesus said. So my point in this is, is that how is it that you conduct yourself to do what is good? Don't neglect to do what is good, what is righteous, what is, is God-honoring and ultimately God-pleasing. I want to please God. Can I just be honest with you? I don't want to please you. So there. Is that offensive to you? Shouldn't be because this, this, God said do what pleases Him. Folks, we are the body of Christ. We are the gathered, those that have received salvation and, and redemption and regeneration and sanctification. We enjoy the benefits of being God's kids. Right? I mean, think about it. Think about it. We get to please God. John 9, 4 says this, and this is Jesus talking. I didn't give you this one, Amanda, sorry. It says, we must do... <laughs> I didn't do it to please you anyway. <laughs> sorry, Amanda, <laughs> that just came out that way. There you go. We must do the works 
of him who sent me while it is day because night is coming when no one can work. What's your agenda today? This is what, you know, um, one, of the, one of the joys I have of, of just, you know, digging into the Word of God is this. <clears throat> because not all, the, we don't always do it, okay? I, I listen to preachers all the time. I listen to preachers preach. I enjoy it. I enjoy hearing perspectives. I enjoy hearing interpretations and illuminations of God's Word and that sort of thing. But I don't hear it all the time is the application of what God's telling you to do. Okay? When you read a statement like that that says, do the works of Him who sent me, sent Jesus, uh, don't, don't neglect to do good because that pleases God. It makes me want to ask you guys the question, what you got planned today? Not, 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 not just Miss Edna right here or Ed over there. Probably every person in the room. What do you have planned today? And do your plans, your desires, your to-do list, does it please God? Because if it doesn't, that's sin according to the Bible. Okay? Because God wants me to please Him. Not simply with a to-do list of actions and works, but with a heart that says, God, I want to love you and act like it. God, I want to love you and act like it. Search me, O oh God, and try me. Please don't let there be any wicked way in me. See that? Folks, if you're pleasing yourself, that is a temporary state. If you live your life to please God and walk with Jesus, then you will know the abundance that God has for you. Pray with me. God, thank you for today. Thank you for liberty. I thank you for this nation that we live in. I thank you, God, that you have freed us to live for you. You have freed us without boundaries to, to do those things that bring you glory and honor. God, you have given us so much opportunity in this nation to be your people. God, around the world to be your people means persecution, maybe even death. But in this nation, God, you have given us the opportunity to freely worship you. God, help us not to take that for granted. God, help us to stand in the places that we need to stand to honor you. God, help us not to fall into the, the path, as the psalmist writes, of sinners pleasing ourselves, edifying ourselves, exalting ourselves. God, help us to live the confession that Jesus is Lord and my life belongs to Him. God, this morning, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, I mean, I love giving the, the, the body, the, the congregation, I love giving the congregation 
the benefit of the doubt, God, but you know every heart in the room. You know every desire in the room. You know every agenda in the room. God, are we living to please ourselves or are we living to please you? That's what you've called us to, is that we would please you. So God, help us to be sensitive to your spirit and your leadership that we might be the people that you called us to be. God, I just pray that as we sing this last song, as we stand before your throne, God, that we would surrender ourselves to you in every way. And if someone here doesn't know Jesus or even has the question of whether they know Jesus, God, help us. Give us that opportunity to introduce them. God, I thank you for working in us, on us, through us. God, let it all be about Jesus. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.